And we're back. Welcome back to another Practice Makes Perfect podcast episode. It's your favorite Fortnite commentator here, Monster D Face, bringing you guys another episode this week. For those of you guys tuning in for what, for, for what might possibly be the first time, we thank you guys for downloading this episode and, of course, checking in with us. This podcast here covers all things esports, fun news, and things that pertain to just gaming in general. As you guys can see from the title, we're going to be covering some very interesting things. There have been some creators being bold enough, taking that risk of sharing their dashboard and their experiences across different platforms amongst all the other just somewhat wild things that happened in the community this last week. So we'll be talking about everything top to bottom. And joining us this week, we have the returning Connor and John Rush. As usual, we're going to kick it off with John. So John, my boy, take it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope your 2023 is going well. Jordan year. I figured out since my birthday is on the 23rd of August, this is my golden year, right? Like Makes sense. 23, golden birthday, golden year. I'm claiming it, y'all. So I hope your 23 is as gold as mine. Hey, bring, bring that energy into the new year. We're starting it off right. Connor, what about yourself? Oh, you know, well, new year, new me. Been hitting the gym every day. Hey, getting into it, getting active. So, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, shout out to the whole Prag team, all the Prag boys getting very much active, hitting those weekly workouts. I'm on about day five myself, you know, but but that's kind of the trend. The year starts. I think everyone begins here. The real question is how many of us can sustain the grind? That's the that's the mission. Hey, I've been going since November, so I'm not a whole new year, new me. So I've got a couple months under my belt right now. So that's true, man. Respect. I'm going to keep it strong. Keep it strong and going. Connor's killing it. Connor is killing it right now. And uh, yeah, shout out to the boys. Connor's been going with some of the other Prack homies, High Sky, Tick, and now Ryan P, all of which have uh, relocated to Texas. So yeah, the Texas family out here in Houston are coming in strong. Maybe Any- Prack House tour soon, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> listeners, I mean, listen, at this point, we have enough people here to throw a pretty good enough, I think, solid barbecue. So we'll, we'll plan something out maybe for the summertime. So you got a lot of the crew out here, but Let's start, let's start jumping into it, man. I want to talk about this YouTube versus Twitch. Which of these platforms is starting to really take better care of their creators? And this is a, a very dear and near topic to me because I'm someone who's put a lot of work in on both platforms. Um, so when this topic starts to jump up into the community, I think it's so worthy to talk about because a lot of creators don't really understand the nuances, the pros, the cons, and the benefits of each of the platforms. But for me, John, more importantly, uh, the platforms themselves have evolved over the years. Twitch and YouTube are not what they once were 10 years ago when I began creating content, right? They've come such a long way. And now we're really starting to see the numbers, right? That's what people yep. care about. Yeah, absolutely. We saw some great con- conversation. I'm sure some of you saw it on Twitter by a creator that I'd not ever heard of before named Bob Duck and Weave hosted a side-by-side breakdown of some numbers that we're going to get into comparing Twitch and YouTube. I think a lot of times uh, some of these conversations get brought down to style. They get talked about, oh, this person got a payout. This person got banned. We today want to talk about some of the cold, hard numbers that one of these content creators was bold enough to present to us. Yeah. And before, before we even jump into that stuff, just keep in mind, guys, the Practice Makes Perfect podcast is always filmed live on Sundays. If we ever do change it, it's because of just reasons with scheduling, but we'll let you guys know on social media. So one, follow us on socials, but two, you guys can totally tune in live and contribute to these topics. So right now we're going to be pulling up what could be a graphic. John um, usually comes in with a tweet and then we link it. I'll link it here in the chat for you as well, but I'm going to read through the stats here. 
so that you, the listener at home, or if you're in the vehicle, if you're at the gym, take a look at these numbers right here. We're going to throw in front of you. So I'll start off with reading from Bob Duck and Weave's personal perspective. He says, this is something worth talking about. Here's a snapshot of what I made ad revenue on one of my best months in Twitch. This was April of 2022 versus one of my best streams on YouTube. Think about that. Best months on Twitch versus his best day on YouTube. So this is a very big difference, a 30-day sample versus a singular day sample. Here's the numbers. Ad revenue on Twitch was $30. Twitch has 100% unskippable ads, as we all know. The ad break time was an average of four hours and 18 minutes. He did 90 hours worth of streams in those 30 days. Averages out to a pretty fair amount. I'd say a part-time gig worth of streaming. That's a lot of hours. And he generated 11,000 views with no views coming to his post-broadcast that concluded. That was 30 days. One stream on YouTube, however, generated the following numbers. Close to $90 in ad revenue versus the $31 for 30 days on Twitch. Not only that, 13% of those ads are skippable or unskippable. So that means 87% of the ads are skippable on YouTube. As you guys know, hit that little five-second thing, right? You move on to the vid. He had 10 minutes of ad break time versus the four hours of Twitch's 30 days. And he only did an eight-hour live stream. In that eight-hour live stream, he amassed 23,000 views, which is 2x the 30 days that he pulled on Twitch. Not only that, the icing on the cake is when he ended his show, he generated an additional 4,700 views up to the time of him posting this screenshot. These numbers are truly eye-opening, John. Yeah, I I think what stands out to me the most uh, is is him contrasting just the, a month and a day. It's very hard to argue. Like, not even a day, a stream. And if you would have asked me, if I would have guessed, I would have said that it, Twitch would have been like, more but not by much but i'm honestly i'm super surprised i don't know connor you you've been in this space longer than me from a content creator standpoint does these numbers surprise you or does it feel like this confirms what you would have expected i would it surprises me a lot because from everything i've known like in the past from youtube is it's impossible to find streams like the discoverability of always has always been bad so having twenty three thousand views on that it means the discoverability has obviously changed on youtube and they're out, they're starting to push streams out more. So we're seeing a tide change and now YouTube is maybe doing the algorithm. So it's pretty interesting because on Twitch, it's like, you're, it's like almost impossible to grow unless you get lucky. So here's the thing. The Twitch as a platform has not innovated how discoverability on the platform works. Yes, they've tried a number of different things like subcategorizing yourself amongst tags and you know, restructuring the way filtering can work within the category. But ultimately, it comes down to, do you have big numbers? And if the answer is no, you are mega unlikely to find traction organically on the platform. I think the most, you know, interesting piece about this is the fact that the numbers themselves, the ad revenue generated, it's it's not even close. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of gross, to be honest, that Twitch has content creator do 90 hours worth of their dedicated time onto the platform and they only get $30 worth of ad revenue and singular YouTube channel was able to generate close to $90 in nine hours. Now, let me tell you guys, there's definitely a lot of variables here. We're not oblivious to the fact that 
you know, you know, CPMs, which is the cost per minute for YouTube ads can definitely vary. Like you can have some incredibly high paying advertisements depending on the niche you are broadcasting to. But either way, you'd expect it to be a lot closer. This is a blowout, like, and then some. Yeah. The one thing that I'm curious about would be why, like, um, in that 30 day, your sub count payout could be significant on on Twitch if he's in a if he's an affiliate and a partner. I know that for my for my friends who Twitch is a big part of their their like actual income subs on Twitch. The way these are just my friends, so anecdotal. It's subs ad deals, which technically isn't even part like brand deals, not ad deals, a part of Twitch. Um, and then like Twitch ads. So I wonder how, I wonder why he didn't factor that in. Well, you know, the thing about that, in my opinion though, like let's think about what's going to be the most insured method to generate like an income, right? Think about depending on subscribers or including subscribers. I mean, that number varies, right? Month to month, you're not guaranteed to keep any kind of retaining subscription. And just depending on, you know, again, the sample size, like you said, 30 days versus a singular day, Streamers have good days, if you will, and, and those the subs are almost always inflated in some way or another. So I think I think leaving it out made a lot of sense to me at least, because if I'm thinking about okay, at the bare minimum, if no one has, you know, a little extra to offer, a little extra yeah. to give this month, you don't want to depend on other your than their subscribers. Time. Yeah, yeah. Right. You yeah. don't you wanna you wanna think what's the baseline minimum I can walk away with? And this is just telling us that YouTube is superior in a lot of different ways. Now my question you guys is i think it's just a matter of of when not if how long do you think twitch has until more creators start to figure out wait a second i could be double dipping triple dipping or fully committing on a platform that's just gonna be better for my well-being uh, connor i'll start with you i think it takes i know streamers are already jumping but once you see like a couple more big content creators take the leap somewhere else i think that's when all the like everyone else looks at it like these guys are leaving for a reason. If they're leaving for a reason, maybe I should look into this more. And just looking at like the numbers as well on here, the biggest part for me is the unskippable ads. Because that's the most complaint I think I see on Twitch is from the ads is you're getting one out of eight ads from people and you can't skip them. They're sitting there for four minutes watching an ad. But on the YouTube one, only 13% were unskippable. So you're able to skip those ads and get back to the content you're enjoying. So I think that's one of the bigger parts of this debate or conversation yeah i mean i think when i would defend twitch in the past it would be it would have been that twitch is the better live streaming platform and like you said monster they have not done anything to uh, while youtube has been closing the gap twitch has done nothing to to widen the gap and even like one big thing that i've started to see roll out is um uh, short yeah, obviously shorts are huge are, are really picking up but with that i'm starting to see that when someone's live on youtube in their logo, it shows that they're live. So now you get that in-app, oh my God, I loved this 60-second clip. Oh, dude's live right now, click. That's powerful. And just to me, even that right there, that's game over. Like, And Twitch has not innovated, not only the finance, but VODs mean nothing. Clips are not like, they could have, I feel like they could have made clips. Think about it. Clicks could have been one of the first clips could have been one of the first things that modeled a TikTok-like feature, and they they've had it for all these years and did nothing with it. So I think it's haven't. I think it's like I mean I think in a year from now I think we're gonna see something huge. 
and they still haven't. They still haven't really, uh, you know, adopted the, the mobile platform to take advantage of the short form content that's literally booming on all other platforms that have short form content. Facebook, Instagram, you know, obviously TikTok and YouTube being the two juggernauts that are, you know, continuing to tackle the space. And I give give a lot of shout outs to YouTube. YouTube moved so quick to start categorizing shorts individually because they recognize, okay, the landscape is changing. We got to stay ahead. And now they're turning on monetizing features and they're making it so if your path to partner, you can literally reach a path to partner directly through shorts as well. Now having its own kind of, you know, again, means to get there with its own requirements, prerequisites. So YouTube's moving and Twitch continues to stay somewhat dormant in the space. And that is definitely scary. Um, Just want to give you guys, the listeners, another thing to think about. Like YouTube has billions of users. And I mean that when I say billion. Twitch, on the other hand, is in the maybe hundreds of millions. So they're not even even quite close to uh, to closing that gap there. And Connor, I'm not sure if you had something to add in there, but I saw you signaling. But yeah, even the numbers right there just tell us you know, a whole story. I think the best part that YouTube did is when they did the UI change to separate separate shorts than the live stream section and the video section on a channel because that was my like one of the most annoying things you go to a channel you got a vod you got a video you got a short all next to each other and it's like this is so clustered and then they rolled out that update and then it just made everything so smooth and it's honestly something to like when you go to a channel you're like all right do i want to watch a long video do i want to see a short hey did he stream today and i personally use that every day when i go to a channel to see what i want to watch yeah, and, that that or creators were like literally spinning up separate channels so that they can, you know, not ruin their algorithm. So YouTube just singling out, you know, ongoing pain point issues for creators. But at the time, they didn't maybe have a reason to fix it. Now they saw the competition was getting serious and they moved on the competition, which is very interesting because as we start to talk about how platforms are treating their creators and adjusting the platforms. I mean, this brings us directly into a great segue to talk about Aiden in particular. Aiden Ross is a very popular American streamer. He has risen to within popularity, I'd say, over the last two years or so since his um, very interesting approach to content. He started really breaking out off of, you know, clip virality, taking advantage of playing with mega stars and creators alike. And, you know, that kind of the rest is history. But since him getting to we call truly the peak of content creation, almost, you know, you know, on that borderline John Rush of like, you know, breaking out of the gaming sphere because he kind of hit that mainstream music and, and pop culture. He's up there. He just got banned on Twitch and he doesn't even know why. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen back to his his statement, he's unsure why. And I and I think this even ties into the last topic is he didn't seem that worried. That should that because he's like, ah, I'll be posting on here. Yeah, you'll see me like. I mean, he's just unbothered. And I'm like, I even feel like a year ago, if you lost the apparatus, the tool of Twitch as a creator, you were like worried. This is Aiden Ross. This is Twitch royalty not being worried about not being on Twitch. And speculation, I don't know what you've read, Connor. What I've read is best people can figure is that he didn't, his bodyguard broke his arm live on stream like last week. And maybe that was TOS. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't look into it, but I did watch that clip and that oh. didn't make me like scream. That was, I can't, I hate watching that stuff. That, that was not a pretty sight, but I think 
when he's when he's like when you said he sounded like he didn't care, I think it's because of how strong his community is. Like, remember, he took a hiatus or he was banned for a month or something. There was like a time yeah. where he was gone for a while, came back right back up to eighty thousand viewers, like it was nothing. His community is just that strong, like that whole side of Twitch. Like, same with Kai and all the other one, all the everyone else that is doing that type of style content. Yeah, him and Kai are so smart, and and it's interesting to see how different ecosystems feed each other. Like, there's some of these some of the largest rappers in the world will put themselves on that platform because they know that it's great exposure. And then at the same time, Kai and, and Aiden, they benefit so much from that, that too. And it, it's definitely like a vortex. It's kind of like a perfect storm of, of, of attention, if you will. I think it's because all the, all the rappers are seeing it because every time they go on one of these guys' stream, you open TikTok, millions of views, millions of views of these guys on these creators' platforms. Like I remember whenever Tory Lanez went on Aiden's stream, that freestyle he did, I still see that to this day. I literally saw it yesterday. That's why I thought of it. That freestyle we did on Aiden Ross's stream. So like every time these rappers are going on there, they're, if they do, if they do something or someone likes it, it's on TikTok or YouTube shorts or Instagram reels and it's going viral. And all I have to do is go sit on someone's stream for an hour or two hours. See, and this is one of those interesting things because like as much as like Twitch probably looks to YouTube and TikTok, they're like, you know, dang, I hate these platforms, you know, because they're our competition. They're also their biggest market, like their biggest marketing tools come from those platforms because the creators at the end of the day choose to, you know, hold themselves as as Twitch being the hub for live video content. And that's where like we got to give all credit to Twitch because what Twitch has that these other platforms don't is this live streaming culture of giving. And it's something that is very, very unique there's something about the platform and the way it was built up from the ground up that the community here is just extremely supportive of their finances to the broadcasters pockets basically and and without that i mean let's be honest the streamers would probably go where the money is but again twitch has just done such an excellent job and that's the number one thing they have going for them currently because everything else it's kind of just not there just yet or it will be closed in on like we kind of spoke to so aiden being banned on the platform kind of being left in radio silence and like you said him not breaking a sweat he just went straight to his other platforms he's too big to fail so this is this is i'm not saying that they should i would never say that a brand should compromise their values or morals in an economic crisis how but this is such an unwise move they have to communicate to the community and i've seen this time and time again uh, on in large brands we saw it with the airline fiasco in the holidays, but they're not talking to the community. Social media has eliminated the excuse as a large company for you to at least put something out there that says, guys, we're so sorry this is happening. We can't give you all the answers. We're figuring it out, you know, but we want to open the dialogue. And even for Twitch, Twitch is really hurting themselves by not giving him a reason, talking to the community. They've got to remember that they live and die as, 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 a, as a community. And even, this isn't one of our headlines, but you know, man, Shout out to Riot Games. Like Riot Games like got some flack because people didn't like song that was used in their their new cinematic. And 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 there were some gameplay issues. And the and the devs made a 10 minute video, very personal, just saying, hey, here's what's going on. We're sorry, here's what we were thinking. And I'm like, that's why right now, in my opinion, one of the reasons why if you go to Twitch category right now, two of the top stream games at any time is Valorant and, and League. And I think the large brands of the future have to communicate with their community. They have to. Well, Riot, Riot's uh, just constantly finding themselves in all types of situations, though, because they, they do pander to the, I think, 
the masses and they, they know marketing very well. They're going to do what's going to drive them. I think the retention that they're looking for. I mean, just talking about them being in kind of a hot seat. And like we said, this is a mega segue, but when they made raise a female character in Valorant, attracted if you will to another female character that created a lot of issues two valorant characters that are females loving one another in some way that's more than just friends guys i'll let you do the math there for family friendly listeners but listen it, it created a problem it created a conversation uh, but those things are what drives continues to drive their user base because yeah they're they're just willing to take those risks and and be bold there but to kind of tie back in, uh, just to tie this back into to Aiden Ross, the situation, this is not the first time we've seen a creator essentially hit off the platform, not necessarily have a direct reason. And let's be real, Aiden's got connects. Maybe he does know, maybe he doesn't, but you have to assume his, you know, his partnerships team is kind of all over this and they're trying to figure out. And there's no reason for Aiden to you know, hide the reason he was banned. If anything, you want to come forth and be as transparent as possible because it can only get worse had he had that information and withheld it. Let's not forget, Dr. Disrespect was on the platform too. And, you know, we all still see the meme going on to this day. Like the one that, was it Slasher? Dude, whatever happened to Slasher? Yeah, Slasher. After that, he like fell off the face of the earth, I feel like. It was like, all right, oh, well, oh, I'm done. Oh, conspiracy. John, do you remember Slasher? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like, and I could be wrong. I thought he did something bad. He might have. Who knows? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. For those of you guys listening, Slasher was essentially a news reporter. You know how week to week we bring up Jake Sucky all the time as he kind of keeps on top of the, he keeps his pulse to esports and gaming. Slasher was kind of literally the Jake before Jake kind of, I guess, filled the void. Maybe that's why Jake really, really took off this last couple hey. of years. The Slasher did disappear. So he totally was, you know, in the right spot at the right time to continue to find that explosive growth. But to make a long story short, the meme is, Slasher claims to have known what the details are behind the ban of Dr. Suspect, but only to find out no one in the world seemingly knows. No one talks about it. I mean, the quick know. Reddit search what is just people but, saying, we don't know, and then a couple people saying, I know, but it's too sensitive for me to tell you, which means they don't yeah, know. The meme, the meme. <laughs> but but, uh, but if you guys, li- any listeners live or listening back, if you guys know what happened, hit us on Twitter. Talk, tell, us, tell us where Slasher is, man. But shout out Doc, dude. He introduced the 49ers in their playoff game. Yeah, that's, that's right. like that's that's not, that's huge. That is huge. Yeah, here we'll we'll, uh, we'll run it. This is the 49ers official verified Instagram account. Um, uh, posted the two time helped us kick off hashtag Super Bowl Wild Card Weekend, and this is what he did. Let's make some noise. Sorry, 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 sorry. Come on. Got it. Got to love the dogs. <laughs> He's hitting a foghorn. So we've seen celebrities in public settings before try to make a crowd make some noise. It looked like uh, the doc was pretty pretty successful yeah. in his 49ers opener. And if you did, you guys didn't get the reference, I'm talking about Ninja trying to make the crowd dance in New York City. <laughs> it's a running meme to this day. The doc continues to transcend gaming and pop culture. He did it with football. He can sorry basketball as he was featured in NBA 2K. I think we talked about that. Yep. And now he continues to make his feature is on NFL. We see the NFL branching into the gaming space a lot. Tim Tatman, Ninja, tons of creators getting the support. Twitch is a platform, right? I'm assuming they're collecting the bag in some way, shape, or form because NFL games are coming to their platform and they're allowing those to be viewed on, on Prime as well. Yeah, and this is actually... Uh... 
really smart. This year, there was a report that just released NFL ratings or viewership is down 3%, which might sound like a small number to us, but that probably represents millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so good on them for being on the offense, so to speak. You say that their numbers, is that like the last year their numbers were down or is it just like it's been trending? Yeah, this year's, uh, this regular season was down 3% over last season. I feel like it's hard to count that with the COVID year because everyone was inside just watching sports. So that's kind of a it's kind of difficult inflated. statistic. Yeah, it's inflated. So you have this like huge inflation from the pandemic and now you're coming out of it. A lot of stats are going to be skewed. Yeah, this says that despite the dip, it actually confirms, uh, this is this is great. This just shows you how headlines work, everybody. This is how the internet works. It <laughs> confirms what, what Connor actually just said is that um, despite the dip, it's the third highest average since 2016. And so if you guys yeah, do the math backwards to COVID, like Connor said, it's really only probably down in comparison when we were all trapped in our houses. Uh, Twitch has the same issue currently. I think I think most of the platforms across the board, but Twitch in specific has uh, really felt the, I would say the losing interest of, of live viewership. But again, the, the landscape has been changing. You have all this short form content kind of taking the space as the juggernaut of the way folks are consuming content now is that great for the creator we don't know right because yeah short form content is great but it's probably much harder to monetize you can pull you know all the millions of views you want on tiktok those are like pennies to the dollar on the ads and also if you're not getting brand deals and selling affiliate stuff then you're really not making much in return whereas if you're pulling millions of that on youtube or twitch and your long form content the chances are you're a multimillionaire and you're, you're pretty much chilling. You know what I mean? So, I actually, uh, I have a question for both of you just to branch off that. Don't have to, we don't have to get too deep into it, but I'm curious your both your thoughts. Do you think the evolution and blow up of short term content is going to hurt like live streaming and long term content going forward with attention span and wise and stuff? I think it already has. I think, I think it already has. I think we're seeing the impacts across, like I said, socials in general. And this is the, the most telltale sign to me is YouTube in particular doubling down how quick they were to alter their entire platform to literally subcategorize shorts. They could have did that with gaming. They could have took Twitch head on, right? If they felt threatened, they didn't. They, didn't. they said, no, nah, we'll just launch a side gaming app, YouTube gaming. But they were like, oh, shorts, numbers are down. Put shorts in here now. They put a carousel, added features, made it a literal integral part of the main app. Gaming still hasn't quite got there. Live stream content hasn't quite got there on the main app. So I think I think for me that's the that's the tell automatically right there. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna demand a higher clarity and quality of live stream content. I think to be I think in the next two years to be successful. And especially to grow if you're new, you're going to have to like tell people what they're coming to watch. And that is honestly one thing though, that I think that YouTube is also YouTube live streamers have also already learned. So check out like, if you look at Tim, when Tim goes live on YouTube, the thumbnail's already baked. It's probably a thumbnail that he paid thousands of dollars for. It's exquisitely designed and it tells a story. And, and what he's doing, he's, he's saying, here's the event that you're coming to watch. It's like episode two. Versus a lot of what we saw in the last three years of Twitch is like, hey, live now, drama. I think that's, that, that content is going to go way down because people are like, I'll just get the highlights on shorts or TikTok. And so I think live streaming still has a future, but you're going to have to like 
get real your quality is going to have to really increase in my opinion like like our friend well monster's friend i've never met him but sub on youtube shout out arab he's flying to africa right now you know or he's probably there right now i guess based off of it you know like and so that's the level of content i think for someone who's going to continue to grow in a live streaming space you can't just go i am playing apex yeah and and youtube like you said youtube creators figured that out really early gref g laser beam like a lot of these i'm pulling out fortnite names not only because the listeners you guys probably know them but these are like real outlier examples of content creators that don't go live but they went live for event-based live stream content and they blew numbers through the roof consistently regularly again just continue to prove the fact yeah when there's something big going on hey people show up that's why esports and tournament driven live streams do so well for the most part people want to see competition stakes story narrative oh uh, yeah big shout out to my boy your fellow arab check out arab we're constantly supporting him the dude is wild we call him the content machine for a reason travels the world creates content kind of when, when i chat with him you know occasionally he'll facetime me or or we'll text or call or whatever tell him like yo bro when when you go back home that's basically like that's like a season's over so like season one was sick when season three coming back you know coming out and where are you going you know what i mean because once he hits the road <laughs> this dude doesn't stop he's banging out all types of crazy pit stops and, and just hitting you know again whatever's going on in the world so he'd be killing it i would be curious and i feel like i talk about this every time but I, I really do think it is it is true i'd just be very curious to see the numbers from peak Fortnite across the whole platform and i just think that that no other game has paired with technology like what Fortnite did. You know, I think maybe, 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 maybe if there had been live streaming technology when Halo was popping, maybe. That's the only other type of, so. but, but, but I think that what we saw was like, ever, I just remember, I, like, I can't miss a stream. I can't miss it because Myth is learning this new thing. And <laughs> what if he gets matched up with Ninja? And, oh my God, Cloaksy and Tifu and now they're, and, and Lupo and, and Tim. I mean, it was just crazy. And I think we're on a downward slope of, we're, we're phasing out of that era. Well, here's, here's what I say. I think all of that is still possible. I think people can still fall in love with gamer groups and, and, and clicks and that kind of stuff can happen across different titles. But the won't happen is titles developing and, and building themselves to be like literal universes let's not forget the Fortnite, the higher ups the ceo you know tim sweeney like all these guys right the higher like they went to i'm pretty sure they went to school with the people that you know developed marvel eventually or whatever like because they're buddy buddies that's why marvel's in the game like these guys go way back so the inspiration's there the roadmap is there and they they work in a way that you can tell is just much bigger than a game and that that is what has been allowed allowing them to transcend beyond gaming so if the game's not transcending beyond gaming making an experience and, and creating a whole world and it doesn't matter yeah what gamer click you have going on because what you just said i'm sure people felt the same way about among us when they're like oh uh you know disguised toast and pokimane and you know ludwig yeah, and true, they're true, like true, i true. gotta watch this like this is me this is my dopamine that's the click that's the fix and they love that streamer circle and they milk those viewers and that you know corpse husband and all those guys and those numbers were great right they rivaled yeah. that of peak fortnite but what's not going to change that game that game is not a a universe right it's not bigger than gaming it's just a, it's just a really fun game that or was a fun game that's how I was when GTA RP first started popping off. I was watching that every day because it was literally like a TV show with the storylines that the streamers were coming up with. I was full on addicted to watching people play that. 
Yeah, well, I was looking today. Granted, it, I guess it's what, what was Saturday at noon, uh, and, and GTA was, was third in the category on Twitch, man. It's GTA? Still, GTA pops off? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's third right now. Right now, as of this recording, it's just chatting, Valorant, Grand Theft Auto, League. And then because of uh, uh, the event going on, Rust in number in the number five spot. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> yeah, take us take us to uh, what's going on in Rust, Connor. You're a big fan of the game. You play it regularly. It looks like this is their yearly fundraise. Yeah. So the streamer H June he partners with FaceFunch Studios, who are the developers of Rust, and they host an event for Trust in Rust. It all goes to charity. Uh, if, I, if I look right now. They are at they are over thirty thousand dollars in this Amazing. short four and a half hour stream right now. Wow! And that's not even including Face Punch releases skins in game, and a hundred percent of those proceeds also go to the charity. So now here's here's it's going to rise above the disorder. Just wanted to shout out the charity. Yeah, and here's here's something that you know, as much as we have been digging into Twitch, and I want to say we really have been digging into Twitch over the last year because you know they they, they punch themselves. No, no, not punch themselves. They shoot themselves in the foot regularly. I was gonna say they punch themselves in the gut, but they do a lot more damage than that. Sometimes they just shoot themselves in the foot. What seems like regularly, so so we have to dig into them. But Twitch has continued to be the platform that has been the most impactful as far as a social media platform being used to drive like funds and and money and support for good, especially towards charities globally. And and I know we're talking about the you know the one that's going on currently with Rust and Face Punch, but we also want to give a big shout out to one of my favorite speedrunning communities of all time, AGDQ. Uh, awesome games done quick. They do this every year. They run it all year long as well. But this time, when they do their big big fundraising window, they raise as much as possible. They just raised two point six million dollars for charity. Wild. Once again, based off of speed runs. And usually it's, it goes to like Doctors Without Borders or, you know, maybe maybe other other charities of your choice that you can push towards as you contribute throughout the show. But they do just, again, excellent work and they've continued to do that. And this is all built again because Twitch has built such a phenomenal community on their platform, a community that gives. Yeah, yeah they've been doing this for years that like every year there are millions of dollars going to charity through the organization and in the speedrunning community. It's. It's yeah, so this, cool. This this one's for at prevent cancer. So two point six million raised to combat and and you know just continue to fuel the the fight against cancer. Yeah, that's wild. Shout out to them. One of the things that's interesting as we're talking about building platforms and everything is what what may go who may go down as one of the goats, eh, if not the ghost, Mister Beast, yeah. has has put out some content recently that I thought was really interesting around content creators trying to start out in YouTube. Something that I think is cool about Mr. Beast is that, is that while being on top, he seems to care a lot about people starting out and seems to be very connected to his origin story. And he's been talking about, I think he's done a couple different podcasts, but I want to play a clip for, for everyone where he talks about his, he calls it like his hundred rep mentality and just kind of how to get started on YouTube. And then maybe we can talk about your guys' opinion on it. Maybe answer the question, how many people are actually going to really commit to this? My head then. I would say just fail. Like just a lot of people get analysis paralysis and they'll just sit there and they'll plan their first video for three months. And yeah, I, any of you listening, if, if you, especially if you have zero videos on your channel, your first video is not going to give views, period. It's not. Your first 10 are not going to give views. I can very confidently say that. 
So stop sitting there and thinking for months yeah. and months on end and just get to work and start uploading. Like all you need to do, this applies to people who have not uploaded videos, but have dreams of being a YouTuber is make a hundred videos and improve something every time. Do that. And then on your 101st video, we'll start talking. Like maybe you can get some views, but you know, your first hundred are going to stop. There are very freak cases like Liza Koshi or Emma Chamberlain who have really good personalities and it doesn't take them so as many videos. And it's just like, people who are seven foot five and making the NBA. Like, yes, there are free cases you can find, but for the average person like us, you know, who don't have these exceptional personalities and, you know, backgrounds in filmmaking, just make a hundred videos, improve something each time, and then talk to me on your 101st video. And we've seen, we've seen this come into use, come into practice. There's a lot of creators that reach by this, but it just hits a little different when someone like Mr. Beast gives you the advice. We're talking about the most, is he the most watched? I'm making this up, but I feel really confident saying this, but uh, probably arguably the most amassed viewed channel on the platform. This man rakes in the tens and hundreds of millions frequent video basis. And we can at least say he's one of the absolute juggernauts of the platform, undoubtedly. So when he he steps out and gives you advice, you got you to listen to it. I love this, this direction that he's going and he's letting people know the hardest part is getting out there and just creating content which most people don't a lot of people are hypercritical of themselves i mean look at us on this podcast we just say you know what i got this idea why wait let's go film some stuff it may not be the greatest we might start rough around the edges you know the dynamic but it's better than not doing it at all let's go make some episodes it's only our 20 something guys so if there's things you don't like don't worry give us to 100 bro and then <laughs> critique all right we're still working on it <laughs> yeah i think it's a it's a really good uh, idea because I think that analysis paralysis is so real and you sit there and you go, I want to start with the perfect thing. Or even if you start with like a good two months of content, 30 days, and you don't see the results. To me, that was the most impactful part is he's telling you, he's like, I'm telling you, you won't see the results and you need to be okay with that. And I think that thought right there is so freeing because it helps me realize I'm not failing if it feels like I'm failing. This is just part of the process. Of the process. Connor. I was going to say, I mean, you've, you've kind of dabbled in creating content. I would say probably more than John, definitely less than me. Have you continued to create content? Where are you? Did you, uh, did you quit? What's going on? So I've gone on my stints during Fortnite. I was a wannabe streamer for a bit. Then I was like, I'm not a streamer. And then I was a wannabe TikToker for a month with Rust content. And I was not a Rust content creator either for TikTok. I prefer to be more behind the scenes of what I do with streaming. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not haven't have the I don't have the content bug, and I don't think I will have the content bug. Maybe it'll change one day, but yeah, well, content creation is not for me currently. I, I can relate. I think knowing what you're not, what you don't like, I'd be interested if we if we all three kind of dove into that. Like, how do we know when something is hard versus like not for me? Like for instance, like I got a pretty awesome energy drink deal uh, last year that required me to stream like multiple nights a week and it paid well. And I think it was for three months of doing it. At the end of the three months, I was like, yo, like I don't want to do this. I actually just don't, I don't even know how to, it just was not, it was not. Whereas this podcast, this I could, I'm like, I look forward, like, I look forward to this podcast doesn't feel like work to me. I get, I get excited about it. So yeah, y'all, have you had that monster, like moments where you're like this, but not that? I mean, absolutely, right? Like, look at the platforms that I choose to build on. They're very intentional. 
I don't stream anymore. I just went through my phase, right? It's like I did that for seven, almost eight years. And then I transitioned out and I was okay with saying, okay, right now, this, you know, this leaf of my life, this page in the book that I'm turning through, I'm okay with taking this in a different direction. But like the podcast, for example, I actually ramped up. I went from only doing an episode a week. I'm doing two a week pretty much now. And even like TikTok's a great example. I can look at TikTok and shove it down other creators, you know, things to do list all day long, let them know how important it is. But for myself, I won't pick it up and create content for me because it's not the platform for me in particular. It doesn't drive me, but I'll gladly help someone else build on those platforms, which I'm doing right now. I'm sure some of you YouTube boys probably saw I shared something inside our crack chat, but the TLDR, my 14 year old, and also that clip about Mr. Beast, I actually just sent her that. I sent that to her in her email. She has like her little business email. You know, I'm I'm, I'm training her, right? These, these are of course she does. They look who look just, who she is, right? But these are these are like steps to reinforcing. Like, yeah, you have a business email. You do this, like learning how to be a creator. She wants to be a creator. In her first TikTok, I'm sorry, Mr. Beast, but she cracked over a quarter million views. So her first video wasn't a zero. But then again, it's kind of unfair, maybe a little bit. I sort of know some stuff and I sort (laughs) of know how to maybe give some tips about your hashtags and things. So it's kind of a little bit unfair. She does have an inherent advantage. But to say say what I want to say is that you have to start somewhere and creating content is the most important thing. And you can't be afraid of taking advice, but more importantly, shooting for the stars. You got to keep trying. And, And John, like you said, you figured out pretty quickly how three months can feel like you feel like you're trapped, dude, when you're doing something for that long that really maybe you're not, you know, excited to do. Like that that love, that money high goes away like after week two, bro. Like it's gone. Monster, this this November, December, you got to do one brand new thing and then one thing that you hadn't done in a while. Firstly, you did public speaking for the first time. That was and, fun. Then, and then secondly, you got to be back casting casting in a room with people how did either of those strike you from like along these same lines did did one like are you you hooked to both of those things did they feel similar did they feel different i would say there was definitely a lot that i learned from being a professional broadcaster and knowing how to more or less project to an audience what could be thousands or tens of thousands of people so i'm very happy i don't have stage fear because if you did have stage fear you've never done it before Dude, stepping on stage for the first time, the mic being all yours could be very, very scary. And I was thinking that when I got out there, I was like, oh, this is so unfair because I've kind of been here before. At the very least, I could have a conversation confidently on camera. So to answer your question, I love doing that. It was my first time doing a public speech. I got to talk about just me, my history, and my expertise in gaming. So that was super natural for me. As far as going back into the crowd and doing like a live venue, there's nothing like that because that's a completely different dynamic. The hard part about you having to generate a speech is, I mean, you literally have to create the content. The easy part about going in and talking about some pro gameplay is you're just, they're doing all the gameplay for you, right? They're carrying the show. You just get to be an enthusiastic live commentator on top of it, right? You add a little bit of value, but not that much because they're carrying the show. Yeah, so doing doing the live speech and, and having to come up with the topics. If anything, that was a little bit more, um, yeah, more pressure on me. Just like, okay, how do I really dig into my reservoir of like knowledge and and what if I had one chance to teach people about stuff, 
for my first time and maybe my only time, who knows, what do I want to teach these people, these people that could be listening to this? What do I want to teach them about? And um, yeah, like, like where do I want to take this? Because I could only maybe have one shot. So I try to, I try to pick some really strong topics. And I think, I think they were well received. We had a great. He's, uh, he's yeah, got the vods. Awesome. He's got the vods, y'all. I like, watched it. I haven't released them yet. Watched I, it I unreleased privately. Yeah, they're they're definitely private. I want to put them up on YouTube, but yeah, we haven't done it. It's timeless content. You guys are gonna love it. Connor, ah. have, have you seen uh, Arabs uh, stand up comedy video yet? I did. So wait, 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 wait. What? Oh, yeah. So Arab went to New York and tried out stand up comedy for the first time. He put a video out. Just for warning, the jokes are a little out there. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're really on brand for him. I love it. Yeah. Okay, I'm down. But watching him, so he didn't do that live, did he? No, yeah. he didn't stream oh, it. No, it was a YouTube video, it, but it was in. Like, would he have, okay, would he have gotten banned? Yeah, if he did a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. Why? You see, we so, got we got a really it's comedy. He makes a joke, which is not just a joke. He says, he says, as a content creator, I get tagged for everything I say. But if I become a comedian, they don't get in trouble for what they say, which is somewhat true, somewhat not. It's that so is true. It, that, it is more true. Is, right? Yeah, that's what comedy is. You kind of speak your truths, but in, in a way that. I think that's also shouts out to some of the comedians who are the median age is older than that of a content creator. And I've watched comedians the last five years. They fought for that. Like a Dave Chappelle, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Like regardless of what you believe, he's just saying, he's like, yo, th- comedy's got to be set apart. And he's kind of, he's fought that fight. And I'm like, I think that's well, why he's created that continues, space. He continues to fight that fight. Yeah. Because we've seen instances just as recently as about a year ago. Yeah whatever transphobic jokes he made that community did not like it at all and no. they have pushed continuously i think to today to drag him down when he's just saying hey guys like I'm, I'm literally a comedian like i don't feel any you know i don't i don't harness any ill will towards you know anyone so yeah it is it is a very interesting topic i think i think we can just sit on it maybe come with some more deep yeah. uh, some more not details but you know research if you yeah. will before you open I, up that can of well what watch <laughs> oh go ahead connor yeah, I want to say what's funny about that and circling back to how we talk about short form content and all that. Like on my TikTok lately, I've been getting a lot of comedians that are out there doing stand up and they're doing crowd work. And you'll, though you'll get the guy that is like talking to the crowd or like, or like, they'll record the shows, they'll be a heckler and he'll like come with a crazy comeback and the TikTok comments are loving it. And it's like circling back to short form content is what is happening now. Even comedians are starting to use it. So the reason what made me think about it, thinking about you public speaking is, that's actually just with like speaking to like youth at schools and different events. Like I've actually, that's what I've done more of is like public speaking. And what's very interesting about that medium. And I don't know if you felt this uh, monster, but like, it's very easy to start. You start changing your content in your head based on how the crowd is reacting in the moment. It can throw you off because you're like watching a joke, not land or watching people's face. Like it's something that I've had to learn about that form of, of, of content creation where you're like, you have to do it to a degree, but at the other You're point in the room, yeah, yeah, it's very, I think that's a very hard aspect of it is because you have to sit there. Yeah. You can get harsh comments on a video for sure, even on a live stream, but there's just something different when they're there and even, you know, they could come up to you afterwards. Oh, bro. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's super unique. I enjoyed it. I think, like I said before, there's, there's some close parallels between the two. I think live commentary is so much easier a big shout out to anyone who can, you know, honestly run a seminar for 30 minutes to an hour. It was my first time and I had, uh, I want to say a 20 minute block and a 15 minute block, both of which again, were just, again, I, I filled the time and I did what I had to do. But if I had to push that same amount 
or the same number of topics beyond that, two thirty minutes or to an hour each, that would have been very, very hard. And there's there's people that do that effortlessly, right? But and that is a skill. I wish I had like crowd work and all that. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I don't think I have it in me being able to do something like that. So funny is there's some elements and I'm still learning on this because I'm honing my craft, but I actually feel like there's a level of me that comes out only live. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, like on God and honestly, even through this podcast, like I don't consider myself a normally funny person. Like I don't feel like in conversation or even this podcast, I'm like making people laugh, but there's just something that happens when I'm in the room, reading the room. And I'm not trying to like, I hope y'all can hear the self-awareness of this. I just become funny and I don't know, but I didn't plan it. I didn't practice it. So it's freaking weird. I was like, I don't know how to hone it because I didn't, it's just, it just happens, bro. And it's very, it's very weird. It's one of those things. It's timing. It's delivery. Extra bit of charisma that comes out of the body language when you're up there. Adrenaline. Um, The adrenaline for (laughs) sure. Do better live commentating guys than I do in any kind of pre-recorded setting. Um, so yeah, adrenaline plays a huge factor. That was Arrow's biggest thing in his comedy. He was, he was saying the whole video, how nervous he was. And when he went upstairs, when he went up his delivery, you could tell, like he even said in the comments, like I got to work on my delivery and I think I can actually do this because his delivery wasn't there. And, and if I could give the legend any tip, I'm like, bro, drinking a lot before you public speak is not going to necessarily help you nail it, bro. Is oh, was he out there a little blast? The first oh, one he wasn't, but he said the first one he wasn't, but he was like, I'm too nervous. I need to get some drinks in me. So for the second one, he did it. Again, I have I have yet to see it. I'm going to go check that out for a sure. Great video. Uh, anyone, any one of our listeners that's going to be going that way. Again, it's, it's comedy. Be very much aware that it's probably Passion not is advised. Friendly <laughs> yeah. I know our podcast is pretty family friendly. We, we tote the line of, you know, just being diplomatic and all that good stuff, but we're talking about, uh, our boy Arab is off the hinges, man. He's a fun guy. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a little crazy. I'm looking forward to seeing what he had to say. Well, we have two final pieces tonight. And this kind of, as we close out the show, and this kind of falls into the category that we started last week. And probably is going to be something that we are talking about for many weeks to come because it seems like we're very much a transitionary period in, in, the, in the gaming esports space. We're seeing a lot of orgs make a lot of shifts, moving things around. Honestly, more than we could probably even talk about in one program. We talked about 100 Thieves doing layoffs last week and some of the the most established orgs in terms of a success in Fortnite have shifted out of the space. And, and, and uh, recently, we just saw that the North American organization, E-United, um, has closed down. Right, and that's a big one. E-United has been here too, for as long as I could remember. I mean... I don't know how far back, Connor. You probably I remember them from like fourteen, fifteen in Call of Duty. So they 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 were there early on. I remember that team. And I don't know if they played CS:GO back then either. But like when when I first started watching esports many many years ago, like back when I would like do skin bets, like a lot of these teams were here and there before I even like had an understanding of what esports actually was. Like these were gaming organizations with competitive players and elements. Like I had no clue. But I was still a fan of it, but I was like such a casual, a so casual. Again, I just didn't grasp the idea of like these are leagues and, and teams. Uh, yeah, so E United leaving the space, man, they've been shoveling money into the furnace. And it seems like it finally caught up. I'm pretty bummed about this. This is a, this is a just a big team. Like it's like an OG parting ways. It's, it almost kind of felt like when Optic and, and was it Team Envy kind of merged, right? And mm-hmm. sort of started moving towards becoming one entity. I mean, I felt that same way, like, dang, bro, like Team Envy's been here like since the beginning, man. Like it kind of sucks that, yeah, it makes sense. Like on a business scale to like 
yeah, merge together, right? Move on, become something bigger. Why burn the candle on both ends? But in this instance, there is no merge. Like these guys are just gone. Yeah. Legacy, you know, chapter closed. Yeah. I mean, I think some of these things feel maybe shocking to some of our younger listeners or maybe even when we're just zoomed in. But I mean, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, when I, when I was coming up in esports, I mean, there and one of the pioneering organizations, Major League Gaming. I mean, you're talking about mm-hmm. these guys who pioneered so much of what we know now to the point of getting deals with ESPN, getting deals with Dr. Pepper. I mean, they were huge in putting gaming on the mainstream. That company folded. And so really, you know, we talked about a few months ago, G4 TV, like nobody is safe. Right. Like nobody is safe. You got to keep yeah, innovating. G4, you gotta G4 keep- TV is, again, had all the TV success. They had the nostalgia factor. They had so many things going for them. They quickly realized, yeah, put in, you know, production and, and the whole landscape just has changed. It grows, it adjusts. Even if you're United, you have to evolve over the years. Um, and, and again, it does suck to see them go, but... There they are. Another downscale we're seeing, Luminosity releasing XQC. This is not the first time we've seen a huge org let go, like mega creator. And this is all a part of that narrative of organizations downsizing, either cutting players, backing out of games as a whole, or again, just not being able to sustain the money or the investment rate, that which is uh, the scene demands of. Someone like XQC is someone who's absolutely outgrown the org. I mean, Buga outgrew Sentinels, arguably, right? Uh, XQC outgrew Luminosity. But we've seen the reverse happen in the past. Like when Nick A30 signs an org, you kind of ask yourself like, oh, why, why'd you join, you know, Luminosity, right? Like, because you're bigger than that. But at the same time, sometimes the money just makes sense. Uh, so it is one of those things. I think XQC is going to be fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, of course, this, that's not going to change anything. But if you're Luminosity, what these companies depend on is selling those numbers. You now no longer have the number one channels, statistics and things like that to drive your sales. Or maybe you did that nice big fat deal and you locked in many years before you let them go. Hopefully there was some kind of payoff transition there because otherwise luminosity could be one of the next we see to just sink in a little too deep until there's no looking back. Well, and they, they're interesting because they used to have Ninja. Right. I mean, you're talking about like they've signed some massive people. And did they have Cypher? Was Cypher on Luminosity too? Yeah, he was at one point. Very interesting. I mean, where do you guys think it goes? You guys think it goes wrong in small decisions or big decisions? Like if you had to, if you had to choose one, like is it big big things that they they went for and failed, or small things that they didn't correct along the way that leads to something like this? I mean, it can be both. Like if you do one big decision, you're like putting like, all right, we're going to put 25% of our equity in this. And this is going to make make us big. Like if you do something like that, like that's obviously going to affect it and most likely shut you down. But if you do like tiny little decisions here and there along the way, all that starts to add up over time. And before you know it, doors are shut. As much as said, shoveling money in the furnace is it's caught up. It's gone. Yeah. And you know, we've, we've seen, we've seen organizations move smart in the past, like give equity p- percentages to people that have outgrown their orgs. I mean, Dr. Lupo and Rogue is a great example. Tim Batman and Team Complexity is a more recent example. Um, Baker in, and T1. In, yeah, you know, Lupo is no longer publicly forward-facing on the, the Rogue roster, if you will, but I'm pretty sure he didn't quite sell his, you know, share just yet, or maybe he did, maybe he cashed out. But that that's my point, is like there's ways to structure these relationships so that, yeah, the creator has a stake in what they're building. And it wouldn't surprise me if 
a piece of luminosity is his XQCs. And he's like, he's already kind of won, right? And he's out. I'm sure that's probably information that's somewhere. So uh, yeah, you know, tough spot to be in right now if you're an organization, because we're seeing a lot of people transition out alarmingly fast, and it might feel like a domino effect. And that could be the thing that influences the next team, right? That's not 100 Thieves, or that's not any of the teams that's already downscaled to decide, oh man, if they're doing it, well, I got to jump too, right? That's like, you know, if you look at any market, that fear, right? The fear, you know, kind of starts to take over and people follow that trend too. So this is a very interesting time that we're in right now because we're seeing a lot of these different spaces move quickly in the form of downscaling and or just disappearing. So it is a fascinating time. Like we're in the midst of the rise and fall of innovation, you know, crypto's down, AI's up, uh, el- certain elements of gaming are up, certain are down. Like it's not, it's, it's not as easy to say, like certainly the internet's doing okay. You know what I mean? Like anyone who's <laughs> like, yeah, man, humans are going to get tired of social media. <laughs> like you're dumb. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's the, funny not thing about, the funny thing about the crypto statement is yesterday. It's like crypto's on a huge upswing right now. It's like had a huge push. So, but push back to what? Yeah. Push yeah, back. That's true. What? That's true. <laughs> From five cents to seven cents, bro. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the uh, the great Warren Buffett has once said, "When everyone else is afraid and they're selling, uh, this is the the bold's time to buy." Man, uh, play the game, if you will. So we'll see, man. This is gonna introducing surely... crack coin. You can buy <laughs> yeah. now. No, no, joking, joking. That is a joke. Redact the statement. <laughs> but yeah, you know, like this. What I'm saying is we're going to see a shift in the in the landscape here. We're going to see probably new organizations rise to the top and, and other people start to take over. So this has been a, it's been a very fun episode hitting on a bunch of these topics. We got to kick things off with a very, very cool discussion about Twitch versus YouTube. If you guys, for whatever reason, skim past it, I just want to encourage you all maybe to just go back, give it a listen. Really think about those numbers, right? If you're a creator yourself, and you're thinking about platforms and how they work for you. Man, there's so much data out there. There's so much information now more than ever that's there was not before. But also, these platforms are growing and times are changing. You adjust now, you will surely be ahead of the rest of the curb. But let's get into it, man. John, let the people at home know where they can find you throughout the week, my boy. John W. Key Rush on Twitter. For now, say what's up and talk to us at Practice Server on Twitter. Love to hear some of y'all's comments, feedbacks. And again, if you guys have things you want to hear us cover, or react to live, we, we would really love to do that. We want to be as in touch and in tune with our community as possible. And Twitter is the, is the best place to do that. That's right. And don't forget, you can also comment on the episode itself. You can leave a little review and a comment. We always appreciate those, those thumbs ups, those five stars. They just continue to pump more people to the podcast. So thank you. And of course, if you've been listening, hit the subscribe. Make sure you save it, right? Just so it's there. We see those numbers as well. Connor and you as well, as we sign off here, let the people know where they can tune in with you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Connor EO underscore. Let me know if I suck at this or what I should change. All feedback's appreciated. Third episode in. So yeah, next week. Here You're we king. go. Connor's <laughs> working his way up, man. Hey guys, as always, thank you guys for tuning in with us. We appreciate all of you listeners and just everyone involved in, in bringing this to life. And of course, for those of you guys that tune in live, we thank you as well. Until next time, guys, don't forget to dance out those kills and boast in those victory royales. Peace, fam.